She's an internationally celebrated artist born in Langenberg, Saskatchewan. A three-time consecutive Canadian Country Music Association winner for Female Artist of the Year. There's over 32 million views of her videos on YouTube. She also has a very personal connection to MS. This is MS, a podcast about one of the world's most misunderstood diseases. I'm your host, Andrea. I was diagnosed with MS when I was 31 years old. In this episode, we have an intimate conversation with country star Jess Moskaluk. She lost her father to the disease when she was 16 years old. Jess Moskaluk was the first Canadian female country artist since her childhood idol Shania Twain to achieve CRIA platinum single status for the song Cheap Wine and Cigarettes. Since her debut single, she's notched six top ten hits, including her first ever number one at Canadian Country Radio with 2019's Country Girls. Thank you for coming on the podcast and thank you for everything that you are about to share. Yeah, no, thank you for thank you for putting together a podcast like this. This is great. Just at what age or when did you get to a point in your life where you could openly talk about MS? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, I think I always have been able to, even in my music career, we've always like right from day one, we wrote it into my bio, tried to write songs about it. So it's not like this thing where I just was like this year, this is the year I'm going to, you know, there was never like a conscious decision to start talking about it. I've just always been talking about it. But with that being said, it also sometimes depends on the day. There are days where I just don't feel like this is something I, I want to share. And then there are other days where I feel like I'm super compelled and, and want to do everything I can to use my platform to spread awareness and share my stories. On the days you feel compelled to talk about it, what is the driving force? Just my dad. And, and thinking that there could be other people out there that maybe don't know that they do have MS. MS is challenging to sometimes diagnose. You could help someone notice those early symptoms. And maybe they think, mm, it's time to get an MRI. An MRI scan is key to the diagnosis of MS. MRI is a medical imaging technique to visualize the internal function and structure of the body. In MS, the MRI can provide pictures of the area of damage in the central nervous system. Since childhood, Jess Moskaluk has been actively involved with the MS Society of Canada. Her earliest memories are joining forces with her younger brother to walk in the annual MS Walk. Together, they formed Tim's Tigers, named after their father, Tim. How many years do you think you took part in the walk? We walked in the MS Walk every single year. We went literally door-to-door campaigning, saying, hey, can you support um, the MS Society this year, you probably know that my dad's not doing super well and, and we want to raise funds and awareness for the society. So that was the first thing that we ever did. And I did that for, man, up until I was in university. I don't even know how old I was when I started. I'm going to guess I was like 11, maybe 10 or 11. At 15 and her brother, aged 12, they organized an event they called Rock the Rails. They combined their two passions, her singing with her brother's love of snowboarding. 
the fundraising event was a hit in their small town in Saskatchewan. Where did the basic idea of doing that start from? He was snowboarding and I thought, well, this would be a cool way. Let's let's find a way to, to put something together for dad that combines both of our interests. And my brother and I organized a snowboard competition. And then we had invited everybody after to like come to this rock concert, essentially. When she was in university, Jess had a job with the West Manitoba chapter of the MS Society. Do you remember much about it? I was surprised at how much of my job ended up being sitting on the phone and talking people through what was going on in their lives that day when they were maybe having a bad day. It was a really great experience. I felt good about it and hopefully other people got something out of it too. Currently, the MS Society of Canada offers a one-to-one peer support program, which is similar to what Jess was doing in university. I'll post a link to the program in the show notes. Now, in 2020, with the COVID-19 pandemic, with all of her upcoming concerts either cancelled or postponed, like most traveling musicians, you suddenly found yourself at home with time to take on a new project. I've always wanted to do more for the MS Society, but I didn't know how to do it properly or how to allocate my time in such a way that I could continue to do my music career and give as much as I want to the MS Society. So I thought, I'm just going to do my own thing. She launched a new social media campaign called Jess on MS, an informative piece aimed at educating her fans about multiple sclerosis. She spoke with Dr. Michael Levin, the Saskatchewan MS Clinical Research Chair, and also with a British Columbia-based musician named Ben Click, whose father has MS. You can find both interviews on Jess Moskaluk's official YouTube account. I think the content is well beyond just educating your fan base. I don't know that this will be something that every single one of my followers watches, but I'd rather it be an informative piece that people could stumble upon maybe when they're doing research about MS or when they need a little bit of help dealing with a loved one maybe with MS or something like that. Jess also previously worked with Ben Click on part of an event he organized called Music Fest MS. This May, with the COVID-19 pandemic, the concert had to be moved online so people could watch from the safety and comfort of their own home. Virtual MS Music Fest took place on Sunday, May 24th. How did you feel about the virtual concert experience? I thought back to my dad. And when I had shows or competitions or whatever it was, they were usually in the summer and usually outside. And one thing that really, really drained my dad was heat. So he didn't spend a lot of time outside in the, in the summer in the heat. He couldn't come to my shows ever. And my mom videotaped pretty much every single one and we would take it back to him so he could watch it. I used to watch those videos that my mom would take. I would watch them with my dad so that I could see the look on his face and see what he thought and like actually be there with him. So I, I really loved the Virtual Music Fest MS because I thought of my dad and I thought of other people with MS. I loved that they could watch it and support right from home. This past May with Jess on MS, she told fans her father passed away from the disease when she was just a teenager. For some people, it was new information. Were you prepared for how fans would reach out? Part of me feels like I was prepared to deal with it, but the other part of me didn't realize just how much of it I was going to, how much of my fans or not even fans, how many people were going to reach out. Through Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, people have found a new way to connect with you. 
What do you do when others are reaching out, seeking solace or finding inspiration in your story? Yeah, I never know how to handle that. Yeah. Totally honest. In this situation and, and, you know, a variety of others, I'm not fantastic at, at that sometimes. But what I did was I blacked out their names and any personal information and I shared it on my story because I wanted people to know that this is something that isn't invisible and you probably do know people that are going through it and they might not be sharing about it so um funny too seeing that that I shared it also gave them validation they're just like oh my gosh thank you so much for that and yeah it's crazy I think that people want to share but maybe don't know how and sometimes this is one of those rare moments where hiding behind a computer screen is actually really beneficial they don't have to find the words themselves in real time to actually speak or worry about getting emotional about it. They can just type something out and blast send it out to the world. I will just say this. No one in the MS community should ever be afraid to reach out or to talk. There is support available for people with MS, family members of those with MS, and caregiver support. Raising awareness about MS is something that hasn't changed since Jess Moskaluk was a teenager. Canada has one of the highest rates of multiple sclerosis in the world. According to the MS Society, on average, 11 Canadians a day are diagnosed with the disease. I have my own thoughts about this, but why do you suppose people still know so little about it? I really do think that it's because the disease can be kind of invisible. I've known you for a while and I did not know until recently that you had multiple sclerosis. So I don't know if you were recently diagnosed or if I just didn't know because you can't always see it. And the other thing is, I think a lot of people don't talk about it. Some people don't like feeling sympathy towards them. And I can understand that too. And I never wanted to say to you, I knew about your dad and then start talking about my own journey with MS. It just never really felt uh, like the timing never really felt appropriate. You also don't introduce yourself by saying, hi, I'm Andrea, I have MS. I get that. It's a part of you, but it isn't your identity. It isn't your whole story. So that's why I think this podcast is great, because I'm sure there are others who have met you and felt the exact same way. Just not the right place to start talking about this. So it's good that we have the podcast here to go deeper on an issue that has touched both of us, in very different ways. When he was first diagnosed, did your dad talk about his MS? I know that my dad was um, an athletic person. He was a mechanic. He always did manual labor. He was energetic and all these things. He had progressive MS. Gradually, those things all were kind of taken away from him. Everything from his motor skills to his eyesight to gosh, you name it. I think that in the beginning for him, I don't think he was secretive about it ever with his friends or family or anything like that. He wasn't with us. And and I don't remember having to not tell anybody about it. So I think he was pretty open, but I do know that he was incredibly frustrated. And I specifically remember him trying to write a check one day. I think it was for like some school thing that Dylan and I had to do like a field trip or something. And he had to send money to the school and he was writing a check. And I remember him going to sign his name and it was, it was not 
legible. And he just got so mad and just like, he looked like he wanted to throw that pen at the wall. And I think that some of those days where the symptoms flare up, if you will, Mm -hmm. are probably incredibly frustrating. And like, you want someone to understand, but your family can't be in your shoes and and you don't want them to treat you differently. And I think that that's probably why some people kind of don't vocalize. Jess Moskaluk's dad had primary progressive MS. The MS Society of Canada defines it as a slow accumulation of disability. It affects about 10 to 15 percent of people with MS. At the time of her father's death over a decade ago, MS treatments were very different than they are today. There was nothing to treat her father's condition. Do you remember your dad taking any sort of medication? I remember him trying all kinds of different ones, but I was so young. I probably never even asked what they were. And my parents actually also worth mentioning. uh, My parents were divorced. So I lived full time with my mom. They had a great relationship. They were like still best friends and we could go visit him. I didn't live with him full time because he was struggling with MS. And so they had decided as parents that I would live with my mom full time, but I could see my dad as much as I wanted. So That also kind of added to why I didn't see him taking medication all that much because I wasn't with him every day. Talking about MS medications, on February 15th, 2018, Health Canada approved Ocrevus for the management of adult patients with early primary progressive multiple sclerosis. How does it make you feel hearing that there is now treatment available? Depends on the day. That's a good question because most of the time, like 85% of the time, I'm like, man, that is so great. I'm so happy that people hopefully don't ever have to get to the point that he did. And hopefully this works for as many people as possible. But that other like percent of the time, I'm so frustrated. It sucks to know that it was like 15 years too late. I think that's a pretty universal feeling. Anyone who has lost someone would feel the same way. In the last 10 years alone since my diagnosis, MS research and treatment therapies have come leaps and bounds. In April 2013, Health Canada approved Tecfidera as a first oral medication for adults with MS. The pill is taken twice a day to help reduce the number and severity of relapses. Previously, all medications were self-injection meaning you would have to give yourself the needle. This was a huge development, especially for those needle-phobic patients. So seeing breakthroughs in medication and people living well with MS, your idea of what MS is must have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I feel like because they've come so far, I think my idea of MS is really different. And I I don't mean for this to sound insensitive because I know that you live with MS, but in my mind, because of my experience with it, it was a death sentence. And that's what I saw. And it happened what seemed like very quickly. And I just was like, this is awful. And I just despised it. And like, I just really struggled with anger and frustration kind of towards it. And through talking with so many people and seeing so many people living and, and thriving and, um, There are setbacks on a lot of days, but 
people are doing great and, and the medications have come so far, like we chatted about, but mm-hmm. my, my mindset about it has become more hopeful and less angry, which has kind of made it a little bit easier to talk about most of the time. Totally understandable that there are days where you don't want to talk about MS or even think about MS because it's just too painful. Have you been able to find comfort in knowing people are living well with MS? Hearing all these people just thriving in their lives and being like, you know what, it sucks. I have to take an injection every day and I hate that, but I don't have numb legs anymore. I have my vision, whatever the case may be. So Mm -hmm. that's been really... Um, not only encouraging, but like it, it's really kind of been restored, like repairing some of the maybe damaging thoughts that I had towards any frustration of losing my dad. Even though Jess was angry about losing her dad to the disease, she never stopped working towards a life free from MS. She walked, she campaigned, she volunteered to help spread awareness. I'm not sure other people would be able to do the same. How did you manage to balance the pain you were feeling with activism? Well, I was just so mad. I just wanted to find a cure. And and I knew that it wasn't just going to happen on its own. So I wanted to be a part of that. And I knew that I was never going to be able to be the one to find the cure. But I knew that I could get out and do the MS walk and scream my little heart out and Mm. go door to door until it was dark out. and. I was hungry or cold or whatever. And I knew that those were things that I could do to help. And I knew that none of those things would be solely because of me. But I just felt like if I put my energy towards it, then hopefully eventually someday I would get that back. There is comfort in leaning on the MS Society of Canada in times of need. Many people consider members to be like family. Over the past 10 years, I have made lifelong friendships with staff from my local chapter in London, Ontario. Jess, do you feel the same way about some of those relationships you've made? It has been a part of my life since as long as I can remember. And there were people that I knew personally there. And I just felt like I didn't want to just close that chapter either. It was like, I don't want to just, I had friends, you know, as a kid that I only had that were not from my town or anything. I would have never known them if it wasn't for our dads being friends because of their condition. And so I was like, I'm going to still walk with them. Still wanted to do that. I didn't want to feel like I was abandoning friends or anything. So I was, I was angry because of, of losing my dad, but I was angry knowing that there are still people in the world that are like him. Like just because his battle was not won doesn't mean that there's not other people out there that are still battling. So I was like, I'm not just going to, I can't just abandon that. I would imagine the anger from losing your dad will never completely go away. But most days, would you say you are feeling optimistic about the future of the disease? I think that's that's where it is still. Like 80% is just me like pushing forward and being so hopeful for the future, especially after all the stuff that um, I've learned and being excited for other people that I know with MS knowing that their future is looking better than it literally ever has. still kind of frustrating that 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 couldn't have happened 15 years ago. But yeah, it's, it's mostly it's mostly hope. I'd like to thank my guest, Jess Moskluk. Speaking so openly about the loss of a parent is not an easy thing to do. 
And I'm so grateful she was able to be a guest on this podcast. Jess, thank you for using your platform to share information and more importantly, too, to help others in the MS community feel less alone in their battle with the disease. If this is the first time you've listened to This Is MS, please go back and take the time to check out the other stories I've shared. Do me a favor, tell your friends about This Is MS. I would love it if you gave our show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This Is MS is written and produced by me. Audio editing and sound design is by Rob Johnston. If you have a question about one of the episodes, you can contact me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Team Dunner. This is MS, created with support from the MS Society of Canada. A proud presentation of the Curious Cast Podcast Network. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.